Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I believe this is one of the tenderest, most beautiful passages in all of our holy scriptures. And perhaps our deepest connection to it comes through Elizabeth's question to Mary. And why has this happened to me? That the mother of my Lord comes to me. And the reason I say that is I want us to ask for just a moment today that same question. What happens when God comes to us? What happens? Does something inside of us leap for joy? Does our heart quicken? Does our breath catch? If we had read further, we would know that in response to that question, Mary doesn't speak but sings. She sings her song of praise to God and of revolution. It is a song, a magnificent song that she sings, so much so that it is called the Magnificat. But I purposely stopped the scripture where we stopped it today because I wanted to focus on this first part of the scripture. Uh, surely you know that we should pay attention to the Magnificat because it sets the course for the rest of the Gospel of Luke. But I love this story of these two women. We don't get a lot of women in Scripture, uh, especially not that get names, you know. Uh, so I love this story, and, and I think there are things for us to think about, and perhaps um, our response, too, could be uh, to sing praise to God, to join in the revolution of justice in creating God's new realm here on earth. But I think I get ahead of myself when I go there because um, we haven't even talked about what's happening here in this scripture. So I want us to first consider Mary's urgency. We don't know why she's urgent. Maybe she needs to get out of town, Charlie Brown, because uh, she knows that she's in a whole heck of a lot of trouble because she's not married, but she's definitely pregnant which is not a good thing for her. I mean, they throw stones at people like that during that time, so we need to kind of think about that. Maybe that's part of her urgency. Or um, maybe it's that uh, with this song, with this, these words of the Archangel Gabriel still ringing in her ears, um, the scripture says she goes ho hastily to find Elizabeth, but maybe she's just desperate to find someone, anyone, who will affirm her, affirm her and her circumstances. And, and, and so she seeks out the only person she thinks really understands what's happening. And, or maybe if she's an extrovert, which I don't know that Mary is, but maybe if she's an extrovert, she just needs to talk about it. You know, because that's how extroverts understand their world, is they just have to talk about it. Uh, well, introvert or extrovert, doesn't matter. Maybe she just needed to talk about it. And maybe she needs to be reminded that her cousin, um, 
is also, uh, has also been judged because she couldn't bear children. She was barren. And in that period, that was considered that somebody must, a woman must be sinful if she can't have children. So Mary gets that maybe uh, Elizabeth will understand her circumstances and that will tell her that everything will be okay, even if the world doesn't say so, right? Well, um, as impossible, as miraculous as it seems, Elizabeth is now also pregnant and free of all the ridicule that she has mourned for so many years. That she has conceived and that she too is okay, joyful even. Whatever Mary's reasons for swiftly making the journey, Elizabeth has already heard the news. You know how it travels. You know, especially bad news, it travels so fast. <laughs> and this is bad news for Mary, but good news too, to conceive a child, to be pregnant, to be carrying the child. I mean, it's good news too, bad news, good news. And at Mary's greeting, at the sound of her voice, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And, and I don't know that feeling. I've not conceived and had a child, but those people in this room who have, they do. And I think for some of us, we do know when things happen and our stomachs turn, right? Or jump or leap. I believe everybody can, can in some intangible way get the feel of that. Well, as I told you, um, Mary's song is, is her response. And, and, you know, it's not, thank you, God, that Elizabeth's been nice to me and taken me in for a few months. It, it's not, thank you for keeping me safe from the stones. It's a praise to God. And a witness, a prophetic witness to God's plan. In fact, she takes the words right out of the mouth of Hannah. It's, the, it's almost the exact same words, Hannah in the Hebrew scriptures. So what is also interesting, I think, um, you know, is what comes right after the Magnificat. The scripture tells us, and Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. Well, do the math. Simple math. You know, uh, Elizabeth's six months pregnant when Mary arrives. And Mary stays for three months. And, and we got to hope that Luke, who doesn't just throw out facts left and right, unless they have some meaning, you know, I guess we could chronologically say that Mary left before the birth of John, but what if Mary stayed? What if she was there? What if John came just a, a, a smidgen early, and, and Mary was there and was there to rejoice with Elizabeth as Elizabeth had rejoiced with her? I mean, that's how women do it, you know? They rejoice together, and so it may be that she stayed. Well, 
however that unfolds, I think we go back to the question for us today. What happens to us when God comes? Who do we flee to? Who do we seek to share our joy? Where do we go to seek affirmation of what has happened in our lives and our hearts as God comes to us? You know, um, I say this every week, but I think I can't say it enough. Uh, I, I, I love Diana Butler Bass's uh, meditation on this scripture uh, that, that reminds us that we, never in human history has the gap between the rich and the poor been so great. We live in the shadow of a climate disaster and the threat of nuclear war. Bigotry, injustice, and violence mark these days. And she says, autocracy, oligarchy, and authoritarianism undermine fragile democracies and human rights. And that's just the big global things. What about our lives? What about our personal lives, illness? financial struggles, deep personal sorrows of the deaths of those we love, uh, struggles in relationships. We all bear these things. We bear the global and we bear the personal. As Nan said in her call to prayer, some will celebrate with others this Christmas, some will celebrate with an empty chair at their dinner table, some will celebrate alone. These are the things we bear in this time that we're in. And we long for the joy of justice for all, don't we? And we get tired of waiting on it coming. Um, we even thirst for this. We thirst for the justice for all people, including ourselves. Um, and, and so we have to wonder, is this just a, a dream, an impossible dream, that, that humanity's going to right itself? Or is God playing a cruel and brutal joke on us? Is our reading just a sweet story about two women who, in impossible circumstances, who find themselves pregnant? Or is there something more? Well, you know I'm going to go to the something more. Because that's just how I am. Well, even at the outside, outset of the angel's announcement and throughout the entire story of Mary and Elizabeth's joyous encounter, most of us cannot help but remember that these babies will die brutal, gruesome deaths. We cannot help but think of Herod's foolish oath in the gospel of, Gospels of Mark and Matthew by his own sworn words. The king is tricked by his wife, who prompts her daughter to ask for the head of John the Baptist. The baby Elizabeth carries. And when Mary's voice of praising God for having lifted up the lowly, we can't help but remember the day her own son, the washer of disciples' feet, will be lifted up on a cross. So where's the good news in all of that? I mean, isn't this just supposed to be the Sunday of joy? <laughs> well, I'm going to try to turn the corner here. <laughs> Consider this for just a moment. That God in this ancient, beautiful story 
God has revealed his community. God is revealed as community. There's not just one child. There are two. There are two women with a similar but different story. Both the children in their wombs, both with children who will have related but peculiar differences in their lives, peculiar destinies. And these two women, even with their anxieties that they hold for themselves and for their children's futures, are filled with the love of God. They're filled with the love of God and the love for each other. What a remarkable thing. In the midst of all of this, they are filled with love. And perhaps they, they are filled with that kind of love because they understand a, a kind of dynamic community that comes to them in the relationship they have with God. We call it the Holy Trinity, a community before there was any was. The Holy Trinity, a community of love, so much love that it spilled out into creation. The two women faced each other, they understood each other, they shared their joy and discomforts, their fears and their dreams, and perhaps they also shared their silence. I know Mary sings up a beautiful, magnificent song, but what, after, what about after that? It says that she's with Elizabeth for three months. No doubt they had silences. And maybe the good news, the good news of the gospel is that, that they had silence. That the key for their good news then and our good news now on this third Sunday of Advent, this Gaudete Sunday, maybe we don't need to focus on our holiness or our faith or our worship service. I know you, I'm a pastor and you can't believe I'm saying that, but I am. Perhaps it is good enough for us to just hear the beautiful story of greeting and a child leaping for joy and to wonder, to experience this day, this story, and in so doing, glorify God from somewhere deep within our souls. To know that the outcome of Jesus being lifted up on the cross was ultimately revealed in the promise of his new life with and in God. And that, too, is worth pondering in wonder until we grasp the profound truth of our own birth, our lives, our deaths, our new lives born again in and with God. Well, y'all know, I told you last week I'm a church nerd. Oh, I'm a church nerd, big old church nerd. So much so that I sometimes watch TV evangelists on TBN, the Trinity Broadcast Network. I just, I get stuck on it, and I can't make myself change the channel. I'm just so, can't believe what I'm listening to. And sometimes I go to the EWTN channel, the Eternal Word Television Network. Needless to say, that's the Catholic channel. And the same thing happens to me. I'm, I'm just all caught up in it. I, I will confess that I like EWTN a little bit better. So a few years back, at some point in the night, I woke up, as is my custom, at 3 a.m. And I started flipping through the channels and landed on 
EWTN. This is, this is true. And there was my Pope. My Pope. <laughs> pope Francis I. He was at the Archbasilica of St. John Lateran in Rome, celebrating the Gaudete Mass. I mean, how lucky could I get, really? <laughs> and it was the end of the worship service, and they had finished serving the Eucharist, and then the Pope stood up from his throne-like chair and processed to a part of the basilica and stood in front of a statue of Mary holding the infant Jesus. Now, I have to tell you that most of the time, most of the time, the, the, the basilica, wherever the Pope is, is filled with all kind of music, all kind of singing, all kind of liturgy. It's pretty spectacular, really. But there he stood in front of that statue. And there was no prayers. There were no songs. Nothing. It was silent. And there he stood. And I, I just watched him in awe. I couldn't believe it. I thought maybe it, he was thinking about the mystery of the incarnation. I mean, surely that's what he had to be thinking about. He might have been thinking, oh, these shoes are too tight. <laughs> but I think he really was thinking about the mystery of God being incarnate in the flesh, being with us. Padre Reverend Alejandro de la Torre used to say to me, oh, you are so Catholic. <laughs> and, and I have to say, I'm, I love that. I love that him saying that. And I think the Roman Catholics have it going on about some things, you know, like the rosary. I mean, they've got it going on about that. I mean, after all, they have this rosary that begins, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you, which are the words that Gabriel said to Mary. And the rosary continues, Blessed are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus, which is exactly what Elizabeth exclaimed when she saw Mary upon her arrival. Note that the rosary doesn't ask God for anything. There's no, I need this, they need that. You know, it is simply praying scriptural words of praise to God. A devotion from the book The Art of Pastoring by William C. Martin explains our task in this holy season. He says this. You are a people of the word, not of words. The word was in the beginning before words and beyond words. And whether they weave sophisticated patterns of intellectual magic, or they strike with passion at the heart of other people's emotions, words are not the word. For the word is inexhaustible. One can only stand in wonder and point. Perhaps that is our best response on this Gaudete Sunday when God comes to us to stand in silence, to stand in awe, to stand in wonder, and to think about the mystery of the incarnation and to point at it. For today and perhaps all the remaining season of Advent, that is really all we need to do. 
because to do so will give us the chance to discover the true and holy God-filled presence. Amen.